Hey, glad you can make it. This is Bills by the Numbers, presented by FanDuel. Make every moment more is a preseason ranking of Buffalo's defensive front seven as a tier one unit overestimating the newly formed group. We discuss. ESPN's Mina Kimes talks Bill's defensive rankings with us, as well as our one burning question, which asks, is there not enough outside receiver depth behind Stephon Diggs and Gabe Davis? Who's got next? Happy to have you along here on Bills by the Numbers. Bills Wall of Famer Steve Tasker and Bills Insider Chris Brown with you. And the preseason rankings are already in full swing. I guess people don't have anything else to write about. And one of the more <laughs> interesting guess about that's stuff, right. right. Yeah. The one of the more interesting <laughs> concerning the Bills comes from the 33rd team, which put together a one through 32 ranking of the league's front sevens defensively. First, Buffalo was ranked as a tier one. Front seven, ranked second overall behind only Tampa Bay's front seven. So, Steve, I don't expect you to know all the defensive front sevens across the league. But first, initial thoughts on the Bills being ranked as the number two front seven in the league. Well, I don't know whether it's smart or lazy. Um, smart because you got three young guys coming in. You've, you've signed some solid defensive interior people that – bolster what you already have you seem to have gotten better on every front uh, with the free agents they've signed it they seem to fit just exactly where the bills front needed them a year ago or did you just look at it and say oh they got von miller yeah uh i think you and i have said von miller's kind of the cherry on the cake because this team was going to be better with or without him yes and to put him on top of this roster is what really has pushed them to the top of the rankings not just defensively but in, in their entire team being expected to go to and reach the Super Bowl. I I like, you know, Von Miller. Everybody likes Von Miller. It's great. You know, it's an over-the-top kind of move. But if you look deeper at the defensive interior additions, it's not only one of the deeper defensive interiors in recent memory with the Bills, Jordan Phillips, Tim Settle, and uh, Daquan Jones as the chief additions, you could argue it's a more athletic group right. in there added in with Ed Oliver, who's already on the scene. So those things get me excited about the front seven. We don't know who Terrell Bernard is from a linebacker perspective, and he would be coming off the bench anyway because you still have Edmonds and Milano as your top two linebackers. So all things considered, you know, the front seven is formidable. It is deep. And it is, I would argue, more athletic than it was even last year. Yeah. They were listed um, basically behind the Tampa Bay Bucks, and we'll get into that in a second. We all agree Von Miller gives the front seven true pass-rushing cachet. Does, does this ranking put an awful lot of trust, though, in the coaching of Leslie Frazier and his staff to pull a defensive front of which almost 50% is new and still has three pass rushers that need to prove themselves in Greg Rousseau, A.J. Epinesa, and Boogie Basham. Pulling all that together is not necessarily an easy feat. There is continuity there. I think we can agree on that. But how much trust is this kind of a ranking putting in Leslie Frazier and his defensive staff? Uh, I think it's 
I think it's exactly where Leslie Frazier and his staff deserve to be. That's where you know they've they've kind of earned that. They've got had a top five defense three of the last four years, and they've done it the exact same way every year. They brought new people in and contributors in uh, both the cornerback spot and also on the defensive front. They have rotated guys and found eight guys every year to rotate through. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've done it with new players from draft picks, and they've done it with new players like with like Shaq. Like uh, you know Jerry Hughes in the past, and the the other guys that they brought in, um, they've got a new cast of characters about every year. It's kind of the philosophical nature of what their defense is. They rotate so many guys on a regular basis on that front four. This is who they are every year. They build this roster a little bit from scratch every year. Um, some of the guys are new. Some of them aren't uh, this year as well. But this is, I think, the way Leslie Frazier's philosophy works best. They bring guys who are motivated in, fresh guys every year, uh, and they experiment with them every year. So I, I don't have a problem with this at all. Uh, we've talked about it on the regular show that, you know, this roster and this uh, front office, scouting department, coaching staff, they are more willing to interchange parts from really good football teams, more willingly out of their starting lineups and out of their top rotations more willingly than any other staff in the league, I think. They go deeper into their first 22 players every year and roll them through with new people more so than any other team in the league does at this at the level they're playing. And I think Brandon Bean and his personnel staff feel comfortable doing that because of the abilities of the coaching staff to develop players or right. to help them fit and blend in to what they already have on site. So for those reasons, it affords Brandon Bean and his personnel staff the ability to say, you know what, we're going to add five new pieces on the defensive line because our coaching staff is good enough to not only blend them in, but maybe even make some of them better than what they've been where they've been before. Yeah. And, you know, I know that we've heard over the years that the philosophy of the defense is to attack with a front four in terms of a pass rush and get home that way, they have had limited success in that area. I think this is a contingent that has the athleticism to truly be attack-oriented. Again, from the inside, you don't just have stand in there and grind one techniques. Daquan Jones and Tim Settle can get home. They are more athletic than the previous iterations of the defensive interior that had people like Star Latule who would just tie up two people occasionally get to the quarterback and Harrison Phillips who would t- stand in there and tie up two people and occasionally get to the quarterback. Tim Settle and Daquan Jones are strong and powerful penetrating type one techniques who are going to only complement and serve people like Von Miller, Greg Rousseau and Ed Oliver all the more. And we've also seen, I think the Buffalo Bills franchise has also seen in the past the best side of Jordan Phillips in that exact same mm-hmm. role. He's a guy who comes in as a big body who is an absolute penetrating athlete. I mean, he's a really good that nine, and a sa- nine and a half sacks led the team so in 2019. That's another guy who is of that same mold, and he's back in the defense where he had his best year as a defensive lineman in his career. Yeah. Looking at the Bucks specifically, since they were ranked ahead of Buffalo by the 33rd team, no Indominus Sue, 
No Jason Pierre-Paul, but they did add Akeem Hicks, an accomplished defensive tackle. They still got Shaq Barrett off the edge, and Levante David and Devin White are a lethal combination at linebacker. Do the Bills sound comparable to that? Well, Vaughn changes that stuff, but I, I, you got to say, I don't know. Uh, those are some names. Yeah, that have they have, some, don't forget Vita Vea either. Yeah, they've got some guys and some names and some guys with some chops um, and some, I guess, uh, fan awareness. I guess saying it. Yeah. You know, this those are names that that resonate more so outside of Bills. You know, Bills Mafia. Mm-hmm. Those names resonate wider around the country with other fan bases than the Bills guys' names would. Uh, so I'd say I don't know. Um, you probably have to give that edge to the to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But if you're talking about the way those teams are players are going to play this year with this coaching staff, uh, with what we've seen of the player development side of it that we talk about all the time with the Buffalo Bills, that could change this year. I would argue that the Bills are definitely deeper than Tampa Bay. One injury for yeah. one of those frontline guys for Tampa, and there is a noticeable drop-off from their frontline players. I don't think that's the case with the Bills, and the reason why is because of their philosophy of rolling eight guys through every week, so or at least seven on a given game day. So I, I think the Bills are deeper. If you want to argue that the Bucks have better frontline talent, all right, I'll listen to that. But in terms of player depth and less drop-off, from, you know, starters to second-teamers, quote-unquote, I I think the Bills are better in that category. To put a bow on this defensive front conversation, here is the 33rd team's top 10 front sevens. Tampa, Buffalo, San Fran, which I thought deserved to be in the conversation, Mm -hmm. Indianapolis, Green Bay, the L.A. Rams, Dallas. I mean, having Micah Parsons alone kind of gets you in the conversation. Washington, a lot of first-round picks there, although they underachieved last year, Pittsburgh, and Tennessee. I don't know if Pittsburgh should be in there. Um, Tennessee has also suffered losses, but they have really two really good pass rushers right. uh, coming off the edges there. So I get it. You know, you got Landry there and, you know, the guy that they got from Pittsburgh a couple of years ago. Um but, yeah, an interesting list nonetheless. Happy to see the Bills getting some recognition, though. Obviously, Von Miller, though, helps with the cachet. And Certainly. It, it actually, I think, prompts people it to kind of look at the rest of the line and be like, oh, you know what? they got some good guys over there. It's, it's, it's not just Von Miller. It does. Von gives every, whoever he's at, he's going to give some splash and some credibility. But here's the thing, and if you, you can spend both positive and negative. The negative, the floor is very high for this club. For defensively, even mm-hmm. if you know Von, if Vaughn goes down, we, you and I have spoken about it a ton. This is a better team with or without Von Miller from last year, yes. where they were humming along as a number one defense. Uh, with Vaughn and with some development with Boogie Bash and coming back, we both talked about on the show. He's completely different physically, physical specimen. Greg Rousseau is a Rousseau much too. different physical specimen. Uh, those two guys, you know, coming into their own. Shaq Lawson back in the fold. Jordan Phillips, Tim Settled, Daquan Jones. You go down the list, all of a sudden, if all those guys develop and come back and play at the top end, which is what this coaching staff has done in the past, getting the most out of the guys they've got, 
all of a sudden, not only do you have the number one defense, you've got a number one defense that, like we've said, is now spectacular playmaking. Championship level. They were a grinder last year. This year, if they can slap the ball out of the quarterback's hand and get some tipped passes and, and turn the ball over more, get more plays for loss, more – Force hurry throws. More – get more splash defensive plays than they did a year ago. All of a sudden, this is a team that not only do they have this offense that is high-flying juggernaut with this, with this elite quarterback, now they got a defense that's, you know, that's hitting you with a hammer. Yeah, it, they're going to be a, a load. Yeah. They're going to be a juggernaut on both sides of the ball. That's if you spin this defense in the positive way. So there's a lot of things to look for in this team, and starting with the defense, if they can just get one or two more splash plays a game, they turn into a team that's really tough to beat. This is true. We move ahead now to the numbers game where we're going to see if Steve can name six of the top ten NFL defenses for sacks in 2021. We know the Bills added Von Miller in part to improve their standing. In the sack category, the Bills actually finished just outside the top 10 last season, 11th in sacks with 42. Can Steve now name six of the top 10 NFL defenses for sacks in 2021 and don't cheat online? I'm not cheating online. The only place, the only thing I have to do online is go get a list of teams so I don't forget (laughs) any. All right, so you need six of the top 10 in sacks last season. I think you remember who led the league in sacks, don't you? Pittsburgh. Yes, that is true. So they are number one. That's kind of my go-to guess. 55 sacks last year to lead the league. Right. Um, Let's see. I'm going to say Tennessee. Tennessee was ninth. Tied for ninth. Barely got him in. With 43. The Rams. Rams are on the list. Number three with 50 even. Um, Tampa Bay. Tampa was seventh. 47 sacks. Four for four, Steve. Out of the gate. I'm going to say. only need two more to fulfill the requirement. I'm going to say Dallas. Dallas was not in the top ten. <sighs> You did the same thing last Cowboys week. You went four for four out of the gate, and then you hit a roadblock. San Francisco. San Fran, number five, 48 sacks. I will say, as my next one, I will go Green Bay. Green Bay not in the top ten. It's such a huge disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say, uh, surprisingly, I'll say Vegas. Not Las Vegas, no. I only need one. I said Tennessee. I said. These are the teams you have gotten so far. Pittsburgh, L.A. Rams, San Francisco, Tampa Bay, and Tennessee. I need one more team from the top ten in the league in sacks last year for you to fulfill the prerequisite of the numbers game. Arizona. Arizona is a no. JJ Watt. One more guess, and then I'm calling it. All right, hold on. I'm going to say... I guess both of them. All right. The Chargers. Chargers are not on this list either. Okay, so 
As we said, you got Pittsburgh, the Rams, San Fran, Tampa, and Tennessee. Here are your other top 10 sack teams from 2021 in order. Number two in the league, the Minnesota Vikings with 51. Oh, my gosh. Forget it. I would never have gotten them. You wouldn't have gotten this one either. Number four, the Chicago Bears, (laughs) your most hated team with 49. Uh, Tied for fifth, Miami with 48. Yeah, I wouldn't have got those. Eighth was the Saints with 46. And then tied with the Titans at ninth were the Browns with 43 sacks. Yeah, I should have got the Browns. The, the Browns was the team I should have gotten. Because all those others, I you know, forget it. Oh, the interesting thing to note here, Steve, is four of the top five teams in sacks were NFC clubs. Minnesota, L.A., Chicago, and San Fran. Do you yeah, attribute you know that more to those t- to their talents or the fact that there are much better quarterbacks in the AFC than the NFC? Say. They're, ch- they're chasing garbage statues. quarterbacks. Yeah, they're yeah. chasing statues. I would tend to agree with that. You know? Um, I mean, they're chasing... Yeah. Substandard quarterbacks. Substandard quarterbacks. All right, good job. You get outside you, you the You got off to a hot yeah. start again, and then and then you hit the skids, but, you know, not You're, bad. You need to pick – yeah, you should have picked the top five of the top instead of, you know, whatever. There you go. Give me a – come on. Right now, new customers <laughs> <brother> – <laughs> right now, new customers can get their first bet risk-free up to $1,000. Just sign up today by going to sportsbook.fanduel.com or by downloading the FanDuel Sportsbook app. FanDuel Sportsbook, an official partner – of the Buffalo Bills. We expand the discussion now as we welcome in ESPN NFL analyst Mina Kimes, who you can find on ESPN's NFL Live and on her Mina Kimes Show podcast. She was impressed with the coverage rankings of the members of Buffalo's secondary and also had the Bills in the top spot of her 2022 defense rankings. So after talking front seven, we're going to talk about the Bills on the back end and the defense as a whole. Here is Mina. All right, Mina, so let's let's start here. About a week or so ago, you listed your top five defenses on your Twitter handle, among other places, and you had the Bills number one on your rankings. What had you putting the Bills in the top spot on your list? Well, simply put, last year they finished first in most metrics advanced and traditional without a full season of their best cornerback, and they added Von Miller. And they have, uh, you know, a a young pass rushing group that I think is only going to get better. So uh, to me, this is a pretty unambiguous choice, actually. And I kind of am surprised if anyone doesn't have the Bills defense number one. You know, we had also gone over their roster with, you know, the advance with Daquan Jones and Tim Settle coming in with uh, the young pass yeah. rushers another year under their belt as well. We had talked ourselves, and we're, you know, we do this a lot, we talked ourselves into thinking the Bills would even be better if Von Miller was not on the roster. Um, that may be a stretch, but I'm, I'm thinking I, I may be right. Offensively and defensively with the players they've added, the Bills are going to be a better football team. Uh, and Von Miller may be just a cherry on top of the cake. As he was for the Rams, right, uh, down the stretch. Right. And he was absolutely incredible. And he was really good, by the way. I mentioned this on the pod before the trade as well. So I felt like, um, you know, there people underestimated how much he had left in the tank, how much he still has left in the tank. I think for your hypothesis to be true, you'd probably have to see uh, another leap from Gregory Rousseau, who I thought impressed a lot uh, as a youngster. And, youngster, gosh. I'm calling them youngsters now. That makes me feel old. <laughs> uh, as well as guys like AJ Vanessa. But, you know, I mean, Jerry Hughes' production did walk out the door, obviously declined a bit from 
his prime. But I do think they did need to add Von Miller to just ensure that they have that foundation on the pass rush next to all of the young talent. And, and taking that Von Miller acquisition a step further, Mina, you also recently tweeted a couple of weeks, ago, weeks ago about how the Bills had three members of their starting secondary ranked in the top five for DBs with catch rate allowed below expectation, those being Taron Johnson, Jordan Poirier, and Tredavious White, ranked two, three, and four, right behind each other. Now you add Von Miller to the equation, logic says their success in thwarting completions only increases with him doing that business on the front end, right? Yeah, 100%. When you go through these defensive depth charts, you uh, often, I'm kind of doing this as an exercise right now to prepare for the season, you, you, you usually say, okay, well, the secondary is okay, um, and hopefully they'll compensate for the pass rush or vice versa. I think the Bills are undoubtedly the most complete unit from a, from a pass defense perspective, front to back in the NFL, which allows um, Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier to do a ton of fun stuff with this defense. I think um, not only are they incredibly well talent, they're talent. Pardon me, incredibly talented. They're also incredibly well coached. I was just looking the other day at um, the rates of disguise in coverage, and I believe the Bills were top three in the NFL, which is unsurprising if you watch them due to the interchangeability of their safeties. What conclusions do you draw of your top five defenses? That only one is from the AFC. That's the Bills at number one. The rest of the five are all NFC clubs. Is there anything we can discern from that? I think if you're a Bills fan, you should be pretty happy given um, <laughs> how stacked the AFC is. When you kind of step back, you realize the AFC has a lot of incredible offenses, but there's still some questions uh, defensively. You know, you got a team like the Chargers who could vault into that top five with their offseason additions, no doubt, or even the Broncos in that division, um, you know, I, I think have a very high upside. But to me, the Bills are the team that jump out as having the highest floor and highest ceiling, candidly, of any team in the AFC, and that's what makes them Super Bowl contenders. Last one I've got for you, Mina, is you had the Packers second uh, in your defensive rankings, right behind the Bills, and that's a defense that the Bills will face this season on Sunday Night Football. I realize people look at the departure of Zadarius Smith. They have a hard time thinking they got better, but they did re-sign Preston Smith, Devondre Campbell, Rasul Douglas, and they got free agent Jar Jaron Reed. And then they also drafted a couple of Georgia kids who weren't too shabby either in Quay Walker yeah. and Devontae Wyatt. So are, are those some of the things that make you feel good about the Pack's defensive unit, or were there other factors for you? That was a little bit of a spicier pick for me than putting the Bills at number one, given that um, you know the Packers finished, I would say, in that kind of 15 to 20 range last year. There's actually obviously some similarities with the Bills, right, because they were missing – um, even for more of their star cornerback, Jair Alexander, who I believe is one of the best in the NFL. And like the Bills, they have an incredible safety duo. Um, I think a lot of good depth now in that secondary. But the pass rush um, is a question mark. You know, Rashawn Gary, wow, there are a lot of similarities with the Bills. I think it kind of before Greg Rousseau, and it's interesting because a lot of people comped Rousseau to him, made that leap. Uh, so I think for the Packers to really stay in that spot, I think you're going to have to see even more out of him this year. Last one from me, Mina. Give us one or two more of the AFC teams that may have the better or would rank as highly as they might. Uh, who are this number two and number three defenses or so in the AFC conference? I'm trying to remember who I had. Well, I, I think the Ravens have right. the potential to finish in the top five uh, with all of their health issues last year. 
getting back, you know, players like Marcus Peters. Suddenly you add Marcus Williams into the mix, who I think is one of the better free safeties in the NFL. Pass rush is a little bit of a question mark for them. They also have a young pass rusher at OA, but with their new defensive coordinator, Mike McDonald, I think if they're able to really put it all together, sort of back to front, they have the potential to finish as a top five or six defense. Mina, thanks very much for the time and the conversation. Enjoy your summer. We'll be looking for you on NFL Live come training camp time. Thanks. Bye, guys. Time now for our one burning question. And while it is widely believed that Buffalo has one of the deepest, most complete rosters in the NFL, we ask, are the Bills lacking depth behind outside receivers Stephon Diggs and Gabe Davis? We know they have a slew of slot receivers on the roster. But do they have enough depth at outside receiver? Steve, what say you? Um, yeah, I think so. No, it, certainly their depth is not proven, although uh, Jake Kumaro has come in and played a number of snaps. He's used primarily, though, as a, blo- as a run blocker kind of guy. He's a big body type of guy. Uh, but once you get past Gabe Davis and Steph Diggs, you're looking at some people that are pretty largely unproven. Mm-hmm. And that might be an issue. Uh, Pau is here. Uh, he's the only other big body guy. Certainly they could, you know, you can always move a slot guy outside. Right. Uh, but you don't know how it's going to go. Uh, you don't know how that's going to be, how, if they can physically compete out there with a, with a corner on the outside. So, yeah, I would say that's the one spot where they are a little bit unproven, but it's also the place – too, where they, historically with the guys they've got there, don't need much guys, many guys behind the two guys they've got on that on the outside, Gabe Davis and, and Steph Diggs. I think you're right. You can you can confirm there is a lack of proven depth behind Diggs and Davis outside. It's due more to inexperience and lack of opportunity than anything else on Buffalo's depth chart. It might not look like it's deep, and in terms of pure outside receivers, that may very well be the case. But I think there are enough alternatives where Buffalo could make it work, God forbid Diggs or Davis are lost for any significant amount of time. Who do we believe are the receivers versatile enough to line up outside, Steve? Um, well, I think you, you start with the names that are probably going to be there, and that's, you know, Kumaro's going to be on this roster for sure. Because of his special teams Because of exploits. his special teams exploits. Plus, because of his, you know, standing on the roster he's got to be ready every week so if something happens he's going to be the guy that you can plug in and Uh go as for the other guys you're looking at you know Jamison Crowder can play a little bit outside because he's he's fit he's thick enough he's only five nine buck 77 but he's built like and he's got some experience eight years of experience Mm -hmm. it's not like it'll be the first rodeo for him you know you're looking at Tanner Gentry Isaiah Hodgins um and Pau, Marquez Stevenson is probably the next name on the list who's been around and had some experience out there, taking some snaps. Other than that, you're looking at Isaiah McKenzie. You're you're looking at what Tanner Gentry getting a shot at this. Um, but no, I don't think so. I think you'd probably stick with the slot guys moving outside, guys like which isn't always an ideal fit. No, I believe. And that, and here's where this is why it's a burning question because some of the better options that you would say represent depth outside are not locks to make the roster. Marquez right. Stevenson is probably your best next outside only receiver. 
because of his skill set. He is not a jitterbug fast kind of guy. He is a straight line speed guy, one cut, you know, and off to the races. He would be the most the next most logical fit as an outside receiver skill set wise behind Davis and Diggs, but he is not a lock to make the 53-man roster. Khalil Shakir has done it, their fifth-round draft choice, the rookie. He has lined up outside and inside, so there is some position versatility that he could offer, but he is an unproven rookie. I think he makes the roster, but how much is he going to be asked to do? I mean, when Brandon Bean drafted him, he said he envisioned him as the fourth receiver on this roster minutes after he drafted him. I thought that was a right. – my ears perked up after he said that. Maybe. I was like, whoa, this guy thinks he's like Gabe Davis, who was the team's fourth receiver as a rookie two years ago. So uh, I, I'm guessing they feel he's capable of lining up outside as depth. Jay Kumaro, as you mentioned, is probably a lower-rung option. And here's the other thing that I want to pose, Steve. Dawson Knox has been lined up outside the numbers in this offense. And I think that's, that, that is a signal to how the Bills could work around such a scenario if it was to surface. It's not ideal. It's a different personnel grouping. O.J. Howard can or, probably run with a couple of these guys. Perhaps. Uh, Kumaro probably can run with. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but you're right. I, don't know if he runs I think Kumaro, if, you, if you start dropping outside receivers, all of a sudden you start using different personnel. Yeah. And, and maybe you got a tight end detached outside the numbers. Right. I think that's the way that right now they would have to go until some until someone emerges. Some of these young players answer some questions. Yeah. And if that if they can answer the questions with a resounding yes, I'm the guy. Well, then okay, these these problems never come up if you get an injury mm -hmm. or whatever. So, um, but until training camp takes place and we start to see some things in the preseason. We don't know what the answers to those questions are yet. And, but and as we're talking about in this podcast, those are the questions, really the only remaining questions of this roster. Right. But you better bet your bottom dollar that Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean are hoping one or two of these we're guys not, answer the bell. Yeah, we're not the first guys that these questions <laughs> occurred to. Yeah, <laughs> That'll do it for this edition. Don't forget to subscribe so you know when our next episode is released. And remember, when you need to know about the Bills, you need to check Bills by the Numbers. For Steve Tasker, I'm Chris Brown. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time, everybody. 